You know, I was just thinking, I, I'm not musically inclined in any way, shape, or form. In fact, Pastor Christian this week just mentioned, I don't know, we were talking about singing or something like that, and somebody said, I don't think I can even keep a tune. And I said, I don't think I can either. And Christian very quickly went, yeah, he can't. And I was like, oh, well, man, I kind of feel bad now. But the Bible does say make a joyful Lord noise unto the Lord, not a good one. So I practice that. Um, it's good to be here with you. I realized something this morning, too, as we get started. I was out talking to a friend in the lobby, and, uh, and he said, I've never heard you preach before. And I went, what? Like, I, I, I've been here like three months. But, but that made me realize that like, there's definitely people in here that I haven't met yet, or, or, or maybe you don't even know my name, and like, you're like, who is this stranger talking in my church? Well, my name is Chris, and, and I'm a pastor here, and, and I just started here in September. But anyway, it's just good to be here, and and, and I, love, I love this time of year. Um, and so as we kind of think about this time of year, we recognize, or at least I recognize, that this May, and it's probably the last calm and sane weekend of the year until the new year hits. Because um, as I speak, we are on the very brink of the holiday season, right? I mean, in case you've forgotten somehow, this Thursday is Thanksgiving, and then Black Friday, and then Cyber Monday, and then the countdown to Christmas, and then New Year is right around the corner. So, I mean, we have all these things happening, and so we recognize that in our culture, in, 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 in a lot of the people probably sitting here and across this country, the next 37 days of your life could potentially be the most busy and stressful days of the year. Which brings up the question, how will you handle the holidays? How are you going to do that? You know, are you traveling? Are any of you traveling in here? Okay. So think about it. If you're traveling, what will you do? Will you, over the next 37 days, will you potentially kind of like traverse the, the, the possibly dangerous and snowy and icy roads of the Midwest? Will you do that? Or perhaps, perhaps you'll fly, and then you get to deal with the pure insanity and chaos of local airports. Perhaps you'll do that. Or maybe, maybe people are coming to you. Great, great, you don't have to travel. But now what you get to do is you get to, you get to prep your house, you get to clean, you get to wash bedding, decorate, hang up lights, prepare extra food, make alterations to your life, pick up and drop off, loan out your car, take people shopping, wait in line for the bathroom at your own house. That's what you get to do if you're not traveling, but you're hosting during the holidays. And then there's, there's gifts, and there's gatherings, and there's work parties, and there's friends, and there's in-laws, and there's schedules that don't line up. There's family photos, there's eggnog, there's ugly sweaters, there's ungrateful house guests eating so much that your pants don't fit anymore, maybe some family drama because somebody brings up politics at your, at your dinner table, and the list, well, it just goes on and on and on and on, again, which prompts the question, how will you handle the holidays? How will you deal with the, the struggle between the, the want-tos in your life and the shoulds in your life over the next several weeks? How will you prioritize and pick the good portion of life in the midst of all the things that are happening? 
Well, this morning, we'll be looking at a couple beloved saints and their interaction with Jesus to answer these very questions that we've asked. And, and we need to get these answers, especially during this season and during this time of the year, because this season and this time, we recognize that it's supposed to be about joy and fellowship and community and family and friends. And on top of all that, this season is supposed to be about an awe and a wonder at what God has done among us. Yet it's so easily to get distracted and lose sight of all of those things um, in this time. And, and when that happens, it's tragic. It's tragic when that happens to us because the people who do love us, our, our friends and our family, neighbors, and even God himself, well, when we lose sight of what's good and what's true and what's right during this season, they don't get us. They don't get our heart. Instead, they get a version of us that's just running around like crazy people checking off to-do lists. That's what version they get of us. And quite frankly, that's not good enough. And so, with all that in mind, we're going to go to God's Word, and we're going to kind of see how He answers all of this. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to the book of Luke, and you can go to chapter 10. Um, we're going to be looking at Luke verses 38 through 42. And, um, and if you have a Bible, you can get that out. I, I, still, like, I still love a good physical Bible. Um, I don't know. There's, I like highlighting and stuff. Uh, so if you have a Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 40. Or if you don't have any of those things, go to your phone or check out the bulletin. Reading in Jesus' name. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord... Do you not care that my, my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Here ends the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? Lord, your word is good and it's true. I just pray this morning that as we, as we come into this time together um, in the house that you've built, as we come together as your church, a people united under the grace and banner of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd be stirring in our hearts and in our minds exactly what it is that you would want us to hear. Lord, I know you have a message for every single person in this room this morning, and I know that I am not capable of meeting all of those needs. So, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you to come intervene in the hearts and the lives of everybody here today, even in my heart, Lord. So, Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to tell you guys something, a little personal, personal note. I have an incredible battle 
every single day. I mean, every single day. And actually, it tends to come in the form of like probably dozens or hundreds of different things. Um, And I fight these same battles every day. The battle is the shoulds in my life versus the want-tos in my life. Okay? I'm sure you probably have those things too. Like, you know you should do this thing, but you really want to do this other thing. And, and if they're both good things, then maybe it gets really hard. Well, let me give you two examples that uh, are probably pretty relevant in my everyday life. First of all, I know, I know I should go to the gym and exercise and, and try and maintain my body as, as healthy as possible because after all, after all, God has given me this temple for this lifetime to house the very important soul that he's given me. And so what better way to honor God himself and his gift to me than to, than to try and maintain what I have and to, and to work out and, and, and do all those kinds of things. But what I want to do, especially today, what I want to do is I want to go home and I want to take a nap. Seriously, I want to go home and I want to take a nap, or I want to go home and watch a movie, or lay on the couch and just like pet my fat, furry cat. That's what I want to do. Big difference from what I should do. And, and I know I should eat healthy foods. I should, I should eat vegetables and, and fruits and natural foods that, that aren't overly processed and loaded with sugar and fat and cholesterol and artificial preservatives. I, I should eat those things. But I'll tell you what I want. I want McDonald's. I, <laughs> even right now, like, I want to go buy two Big Macs and a large fry, and a sundae, and an apple pie, and then I want to take all of that and wash it down with an extra large, icy cold, super sugary Coca-Cola. That's what I want to do. Oh my gosh, that's what I want to do so bad. I can taste it. But that's tough, isn't it? And I mean, I just think about it, and I think, oh man, what if, what if, the shoulds and the want-tos were always the same. What if those things always lined up? And I'll tell you what, as kind of a side note, I am super jealous. No joke, God forgive me. I am super jealous of people who eat the foods that they should and they actually like it. I don't know who you people are who are about to go to Thanksgiving and you're like, oh yeah, I'll pass on, the, on all the desserts, but please give me more vegetables. I don't know who you people are, but I'm jealous. I'm so serious. I wish, I wish I wanted those things, but I don't. I want 26 pieces of pie, and I can skip dinner and all the vegetables and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, I think about the desire to, to, to have good things and the want to have good things versus the barrage of things that I want, which are cholesterol-filled and artery-clogging temptations. Man, to be able to just want the good things, that would be, that'd be great. The struggle is so very real. I'm not lying. Well, the interesting thing about our text today is that uh, the story starts with the shoulds, the shoulds and the want-tos being in perfect alignment, just like what we kind of talked about. Shoulds and want-to in perfect alignment. So just think about it. We have Martha who should and does 
want to honor Jesus by inviting him into her home. And then, as an honor's guest, she should, and she, sh- and she does, want to offer amazing hospitality to him. And then, of course, she should, and she does want to, make a meal fit for a king. Everything's lined up. Everything's, her, her shoulds and her want-tos are lined up perfectly, and she's so excited about this opportunity to, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, any believer should be. Can you imagine, like, having Jesus in your house for dinner? Having him as a guest for dinner? That's mind-blowing. I mean, anybody, anybody should get excited about that. And so picture this. Picture the scene with me in your mind. I don't know if you're good imagination people, but do your best. Picture this in your mind with me. Martha has Jesus in her house along with several other honored guests and it's cool because there's a really, you can feel it in the air. There's a, there's a buzz in the air. There's an energy. There's a spirit in the air that's like tangible. You can feel it. Jesus is in the house. It's an amazing thing. And so Martha, uh, she's probably running around and she's doing stuff and she's working, but it's not a big house. It's just kind of a little space. It's kind of a little hut. And so as Martha's running around, even though she's doing all this stuff, she can hear everything that Jesus is saying because this is God talking and he's speaking with authority and he's teaching. And as she's working, she's running around like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. He's right around the corner and, and I can hear him and wow. Okay, imagine all that. And so she's just, she's just blown away by the opportunity to serve Jesus. Her heart is just exploding with joy to do this. But then, then something happens. Something happens. As Martha comes around the corner, maybe to to bring out some plates or or to, to give some refreshments, what does she see? What does she see? She sees her sister, Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet. Now all of a sudden, her joy and, and her, her, her wanting to serve, it's all taken away. It's all gone because she starts playing the comparison game, right? Well, that's not fair. I'm running around here like a maniac. Are you kidding me? I'm doing all this stuff by myself. I'm, I'm cooking and I'm setting the table and I'm doing all this stuff. And What are you doing? Imagine that. We, some of us, the Martha's in this room, like you're like, yeah, tell her. Tell her what's up. Tell her that she's wrong. I want you to hear what she says. Let's go back to the word. What does she say? Verse 40, Martha, she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Man, oh, she's pumped up. Now listen, I want you to hear what she said to Jesus, because we, we sometimes go right over this stuff. Martha said these words to Jesus. She said, don't you care? Can you imagine saying that to Jesus? Don't you care? Oh my gosh, that takes some serious guts. That takes some, some real boldness. I mean, I, I can't imagine. I mean, and, and to boot, here's, a, here's another part I love to boot. She ends what she says, by trying to tell Jesus what to do. 
Think about that. She says, she looks at Jesus and says, tell her to help me. That's a command. Tell her to help me. Wow. Can you, can you imagine being in that room? Like, everything's cool and Jesus is talking and then all of a sudden Martha storms in and she, don't you care? Tell her to help me. It would be so awkward. I mean, you can just imagine that the people in the room went silent like that and they're all probably just looking at Jesus waiting to see how is he going to react. So what does Jesus do? I mean, Think about it. This is, this is Jesus. This is God. And now he is also a disrespected guest in this house. And quite frankly, he has every right. He has every right in the world to place a very real and a very public kind of like tongue thrashing on this woman who has stepped out of line and offended him. He has every right to do that. But how does he react? Okay. Does, he, does he do what we might do if we were in his place? I know what I would do. Maybe he uh, tells her off and he leaves and goes, and goes to somebody else's house who's more appreciative. Or, or maybe he looks really, makes her look really bad in front of her friends. Or, or maybe in an effort to save face after he himself was disrespected, he tells her that she's a lousy host and that the food didn't smell that good anyway. He could do all those things. He's God. And he's a disrespected guest. But he doesn't do any of those things. Instead, he meets her with compassion. And he makes her inward feelings, he makes them known to the room. And he gives them a name. And he calls out to her in a very compassionate and gentle way. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Anxious and troubled about many things. You see what Jesus did there? Jesus recognizes that her heart it had turned from joyfully and free, freely serving to anxious and troubled. Have you ever experienced, I'm talking to you, have you ever experienced what Martha is feeling in this moment? Have you done that, running around like a crazy person and, and feeling disrespected yourself and feeling like nobody's on your side, nobody's here to help you? There's a ton of people around, but nobody cares that you're serving and working so hard. Have you ever felt like that? I bet there are plenty of people in this room who have. And in fact, I bet there are a lot of Marthas in this room. You can look around you to the people who you know next to you, and you'll know if they're a Martha or not, right? They're a busybody. They just go. They just go. They got to be doing something, right? Martha's. Now, I'm not knocking Martha's at all. In fact, um, I will go so far as to say that you cannot have a successful home or a successful and healthy church without Martha's, because these are people whose heart and posture is a heart and posture of serve of service and they do this in very real and tangible ways because that's how God has wired them and you know what that's a really beautiful thing that's a that's a thing that blesses the rest of the body of Christ that's a thing that blesses people's homes and and, and friendships and and it's great 
I'll say that the Marthas that I've seen, both men and women, because it's not re- that spirit isn't just restricted to women, but both men and women, the Marthas that I've seen in church here in the first couple months, it's awe-inspiring. I mean, these people are running around and they're not thinking about themselves. They're just thinking about how they can love and serve people. Marthas are great people, and we need Marthas. But what happens when our want-tos, uh, when, when our want-tos become shoulds, our want-tos become shoulds, and the joy and the freedom and service has left and been replaced by what Jesus says, anxiety and trouble. And I ask that today because in our theme, we're in a, kind of coming into a really busy holiday season, and we all know that that can happen really quickly. We can start to feel the stress and the pressure of trying to perform and be great in that performance. However, if that's where our heart is, when something goes wrong, what do we do? We lose our joy, and, and because of either real or just perceived expectations that, that have been made, all of a sudden, our sense of service and love and, and, and where our heart is, it's gone. The grace, the grace for what we're doing is gone. Our heart is now in a different place. It's in a different location. And our actions have become something other than giving our time and our talents and our energy for good. Now, perhaps, we, we put those, we have to think about this. Maybe we put those expectations on ourselves. You know, we put that pressure on ourselves when we're hosting or, or something. Or maybe somebody else has put that on us. But either way, we can really quickly start to feel less than in the midst of what was supposed to be a time of fellowship and joy and community and and all those really good things. And I'll tell you something else, and this is really important, more important than, than just the holidays alone. All of this doesn't just apply to a sense of service and, and these kinds of things in hospitality during the holidays. All of this actually applies to our spiritual walk, our, our faith journey in Jesus Christ. It applies to that too, um, because we have to recognize that uh, we can get so quickly trapped by performance, which will always turn our, our original want-tos into a should or a have-to. It will turn Jesus into a job, right? So what do I mean by that? Just think about this. Maybe you've been here before. You're excited about digging into God's Word or being in a small group or serving in some way. But then, just like Martha, something happens in your life that draws you away from that spirit and causes you to be uh, uh, just, just maybe too busy or you're just unable, and so you can't do the things that you wanted to do. Well, now all of a sudden, there's a sense of guilt that's never been there before. And what you do, this is smart, right? What you do is respond to that guilt of not doing the things that you said or you wanted to do. You're going to respond by saying, you know what? I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to try harder. I'm from the Midwest. I'm tough. I can just try harder. I can do more. And all of a sudden, it's going to be better. It's kind of that attitude of like, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Have you heard that? I've heard people say that before, and, and man, I've known people who have done that in other parts of their life, and it's great. They go on to achieve a lot of things just based on sheer willpower. But in our faith, in our relationship with Jesus, 
trying to work from our own power and trying to work from our own strength instead of in response to what he's done, his great mercy and his love for us, well, that's just not going to work. It's really just not going to work out that well. But maybe you're stubborn. I am. Maybe you're stubborn or, or you just don't know that this faith walk isn't about your effort. So what do you do? You simply try harder for a while. But then spiritual and emotional fatigue sets in because you're not living out of grace. You're not living out of his mercy. You're not living out of his spirit and his call in your life. Instead, you're living out of a sense of guilt and all the shoulds and the have-tos of your life. And of course, when, when that's happening and your heart isn't in the right place as you're, and you're, not, you're no longer operating out of joy and freedom from the Spirit, what happens is you just get fatigued. You get fatigued. You get tired of doing it. You get tired of doing all the things, checking all the boxes, and you quit. You quit. You just you give up. And then Satan who's crouching at your door. You know, what he do? you know what he does when he gives up? He jumps right on top of that, and here come the accusations that uh, you're not doing enough, you're not performing well enough, God can't possibly love you, you don't attend enough Bible studies, you don't give enough, you don't read enough. So then, after all those accusations, you know what you do? You don't fall on your knees and ask for forgiveness, you just, I'll just try harder again. And so the cycle repeats over and over and over again. And when we do that, and we are, man, I've done that. I'm guilty of it. But when we do that, what we do is, is we've taken grace out of the equation. We've taken God out of the equation. We've probably taken prayer out of the equation. And we've taken the cross of Jesus Christ out of the equation in favor of just trying to do more. But I'll tell you something. There's a cure for that. There's a very real and tangible cure for that. There's a way to get out of uh, the cycle of guilt and try harder, fatigue, and quit. There's a way to get out of that cycle. And actually, the text that we read this morning, it gives us that answer. So what we're going to do is we'll come back to the, let's come back to the story of Martha and Mary and Jesus. So here we have Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, right? You can picture it. Now, an interesting thing about this, as a side note, is that like, this is a really unusual scene because Mary would not normally be there. This is a very male-dominated culture. And so, I mean, it would be very unusual for Mary to be in the same room as all these men, as Jesus is teaching, right? So that's an unusual thing, but she's doing it, and Jesus isn't rebuking her in any way. And the cool thing is, her attention is solely on him, and this was absolutely a want-to. This was a want-to moment for Mary. And there was nothing that was going to stop her from being at his feet. And there was nothing that she was anxious about. She wasn't troubled about anything in her heart because Jesus was there. And she didn't have any need to perform. Her focus was on him, not herself, right? Now, although Mary was up and about and she was doing stuff, uh, she was using her body to serve. Her initial focus, it was on him too, right? We talked about that, how her want-tos and her, her shoulds, they aligned. Um, but it, So it didn't matter that initially she wasn't in close physical proximity the way that Mary was. It was all about the state of her heart, 
right? But it was when she took her focus off of Jesus, when she took her focus off of Jesus and she started playing the comparison game with her sister is when all of that became an issue and her heart was changed. And so in Martha's moment of frustrated outburst, Jesus reminded her, and he reminds all of us today, that there is one, just one necessary thing. Or in this case, just one necessary person. That person is him. That person is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. That's, that's who that is. And the great thing that Jesus so clearly states to Martha that he, he states to all of us too is that this portion, this one thing, will not and cannot be taken away. I want to say that again. Jesus Christ, who is your portion, he is your grace, he is the one who died on a cross for your sins, he is the one who loves you unconditionally, he will not ever under any circumstances be taken away from you. And that's really good news. That's awesome news. We should, man, I heard somebody go, woo! Like, yes, we should woohoo to that. Jesus Christ will never be taken away from you. He loves you unconditionally, no matter what you've done. That's a beautiful thing. Now, I'm not a mind reader, but I, I'll tell you that I'm willing to bet that there's some people in this room, and maybe they're listening, and, and in their hearts and in their minds, they're saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I mean, I've, I've sinned big, and I've sinned boldly, and I've, I've probably broken every commandment there is three times over. I've, I've done it all. And quite frankly, with the, the shame and the guilt and the secrets that I'm hiding, if I was God, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't forgive me. But if you're having any of those thoughts right now, if, if any of those things are in your heart, I'm going to tell you a good hard truth. You're not God, and you don't have a say in it. God has, has used Jesus Christ in his perfect life and has given that as a sacrifice for every single one of your sins, that all of the things that you've ever done, that all the burdens that you carry can be completely lifted off of you and, and left at the foot of the cross where they belong. No longer in your life, no longer in your heart, no longer in your mind, removed as far as the east is from the west, so that you might live a life of freedom and joy. This is an objective unarguable truth that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Period. Period. And as you put your faith and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, God says that on your behalf, I have conquered sin and I have conquered death and those things have no hold in your future. They have no power over you now. You are an heir to the kingdom and the glory of God himself, and there is no height, nor depth, nor anything in this world that could cause you to be separated from the love that is in Christ Jesus your Lord. 
Nothing. Thus, I get to declare to you today from Jesus himself that you are free and that you are forgiven. That means in this time, you are free to serve. You are free to rest. You are free to travel. You are free to praise God. You're free to take a nap. You're free to, to love, that, love that person across the dinner table who's just a little bit too hard to love. We call those EGRs, extra grace required. You're free to love that person because it's not about you anymore. Your heart is in the right place as the Spirit moves through you, as you recognize what Jesus has done for you and all that he's given for your life. You're free. So I hope, it's my hope and my prayer for, for all of you guys and, and even myself that in the midst of uh, what's probably going to be a really busy holiday season that is likely going to stretch you, it's my prayer that none of us would forget. None of us would, would lose heart. None of us would start playing the comparison game, but that we would all remember that in the Spirit, we are free and we are forgiven fully by our Lord Jesus Christ. And that allows us to go and do good works and to serve with joy. Let's pray. Father, it is a gift. It is a gift to be in your presence and to know your gospel message. It's a gift to know your gospel truth. The good news that Man, Jesus is enough. He is sufficient for all of my needs. He is sufficient to give me power. He is sufficient to give me energy. And he is sufficient to save my life. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know that today, Lord, I pray that you'd be working in their hearts in such a powerful and amazing way that they can't help but come to you and turn to you and say, Lord, forgive me, I need you. And be lifted up and made whole and made new again in your perfect peace. So Lord, as we, as we go from this place today and as we deal with all the busyness, Lord, I just pray that we would remember you in all of the busyness that you wouldn't become a checkbox, but that you would be so real in our hearts that love would flow through us to all of those who we meet. Lord, I pray these things in your son's powerful and precious name. Amen.